You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Jesus at a dinner party. That's the scene we have today in Luke's gospel, and it's a scene we're quite used to. I mean, if you've read the gospels or heard them read, uh, we often see Jesus at table. We see him repeatedly at table with his disciples. Uh, We see him on numerous occasions eating with tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners. And here we have it, he's even invited to to join uh, for supper at the house uh, of the ruler of the Pharisees on the Sabbath for the Sabbath meal. Let's just stop there for just a moment, though, and consider what it might look like in your life if Jesus came to your dinner party. Would he be a welcome guest? Well, on the face of it, I'm sure it comes as a great comfort that our Lord and Savior would come to eat with us as long as we get the Jesus who turns water into wine. But on the other side, you might just find the Jesus who turns over tables in outrage. So I'm not so sure he'd be my first uh, invite. And here we have it in Luke's gospel. Uh, You know, we're missing a little bit from the reading here. We've jumped to verses 7 through 14. But that little bit that's missing from uh, from our our pericope this morning is uh, he heals a man at dinner. He heals a man with dropsy. And so the Pharisees, if you look in the first verse, are watching him carefully. Some undoubtedly watching him because they're interested, they're intrigued. They might have something to learn, but most of them uh, perhaps are watching him to watch him slip up. And so in the case of the healing of this man, they accuse him of working on the Sabbath. And so his answer to them is, which one of you would not save your child or your livestock if uh, if they fell into a well on the Sabbath? That pretty much closed the conversation at that point. So he moves on and he, he gives two parables. You know, Jesus has sat for dinner and he looks around and he notices what you and I often notice when we sit uh, down for dinner. We notice sort of a social hierarchy. Uh, we notice uh, how people sit. And we sit oftentimes according to uh, social rank uh, or prestige or reputation. And so he tells a parable. He says, look, for those of you who've been invited, consider this. When you're invited to a feast, don't sit in the place of honor. Lest someone more distinguished than you uh, have to take your seat. Now, we've all been there before. We've, we've sat in the wrong seat, and embarrassingly, we've been told, actually, that's reserved for someone else. I'm sorry, you're going to have to move on down. I'm sure you've been there before. I remember this uh, in college, actually. I, I was a part of a campus ministry. I won't name it out loud because this goes on the website, and people hear it all over the place. But I sat down uh, at our campus ministry in what essentially was the head of the table, not really thinking, and boy, oh boy, was I cut down to size really quickly. The campus minister said, well, that's quite pretentious of you, don't you think? So I swallowed my pride and and moved uh, down the table. This happened to me in high school, too. It seems to happen to me all the time. I just sit in the wrong seat, I guess, and do the wrong thing. But I remember in a different manner, um, I played football in high school and and definitely was largely a bench warmer. Uh, But my junior year, one of the upperclassmen above me had moved out of town, and so his locker was available, one of like the premier lockers that's eye level. And so I remember putting all my stuff in there, and embarrassingly, uh, the coach came in and said, actually, we've got a new student who just moved in. That's his locker. So I had to move all my shoulder pads and helmet uh, down 
down to the, the, the base level again. But you get the idea. I mean, we do this in our lives. Uh, we, we assume too much about ourselves oftentimes. And Jesus is just saying, like, as a matter of course, in, in this secular world, just, just basic uh, fundamentals of how to live, this is not even so spiritual yet. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. Don't, don't make yourself uh, the place of honor. Just take uh, the humble seat, if you will. Now, when he says this, of course, he culminates that, that passage, that parable, rather, by saying, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, we've heard this type of word from Jesus before. In Mark's gospel, we hear those who would uh, lose their life for my sake uh, shall find it, and those who seek to save their life shall lose it. And similarly, uh, elsewhere in the other gospels, uh, all four, as a matter of fact, um, he says, those uh, who are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. So, not a shocker. We've heard this from Jesus before. And I think the takeaway here uh, is, is clear. Okay, yeah, don't think too highly of yourself. And it's better to start low and have yourself move up. But we have to be careful there, too. We can take this passage and make it sort of a formula. You know, if I act really humble, if I, you know, don't put my best foot forward, maybe later on they'll learn uh, that I'm really better than that. Or, if, you know, if I start low, in due time, I'll climb the ladder. And it's just a formula for success when you, when you treat it that way. I don't think Jesus is saying that. If you remember the hit show, uh, The Office on NBC that ran several years ago, and I think it's still on Netflix. These things move back and forth. But you may remember an example of this, uh, where acts of humility were really just meant to be uh, construed as uh, acts of power. Dwight, uh, who's, if you remember the show, was sort of the, the office uh, dweeb and know-it-all. Uh, he takes this word and says, hey, if I just act really kind and serviceable and humble, uh, eventually I'll be, made, I'll be made manager. See, Dwight was aiming high to be the branch manager at Dunder Mifflin in Scranton. Yeah, aiming really high. Well, one day, uh, Dwight had the, the bright idea to drive to New York City and to get some really wonderful bagels. And he drove all the way to New York from Scranton. And then he brought the bagels back, and he brings them to the office and says, Look, here, I've, I've brought you all breakfast. And they're saying, Dwight, that was so nice. You shouldn't have done that. And he looks him in the eye, and he says, You owe me one. <laughs> you owe me one. You see my point, though? He was using this act of humility and service as a, as a way to get on top as a way to ultimately be promoted and recognized uh, as the best. Well, in the same episode, Andy Bernard, who's another knucklehead in the office, he says, you cannot outdo my kindness. And so they kind of compete with one another. Who can do more acts of humility and service? And Andy's line was, if you give me a gift, bam, I write you a thank you card. If you invite me to a party, wham, RSVP. If you do me a favor, boom, I return it immediately. No one can outdo my kindness. And so throughout the episode, they are jockeying for position, constantly doing uh, acts of kindness for one another. Again, not because they actually love their neighbor, but simply because it's their way to climb the ladder. And this culminates in a scene, forgive this long illustration, but there's, there's a scene in which they're both at the doorway and they're ready to pass through. So Dwight opens the door for Andy and says, I must insist, you go first, please, after you. And Andy says, no, 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 Dwight, after you, please. And so they go back and forth over and over again to the point where no one goes through the door. Episode uh, nine of season six, for your reference. Go, go back and find it. But my point in saying that long, silly illustration is 
We as Christians even are not immune from this, and count me among them. Uh, I often pat myself on the back with these acts of humility and service, ultimately to be recognized, ultimately to climb the ladder. And Jesus is not saying that. So go ahead and remove that uh, from your mind. That's not what this is intended to do. So that first parable is intended towards the guests. And then he turns in verse 12 and turns to the host. And he says, okay, here's some etiquette for you. He says, if you're going to host and invite folks when you give a dinner or banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors or the people who can do things for you, lest they invite you return and you are repaid. This is the kicker. He says, but instead, invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite the lame, invite the blind, for they cannot repay you. And you will be blessed because of this you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Well, as I mentioned, the first part of our passage today, it's pretty clear. Okay, take a, take a spot of humility. Assume the humble position. And here, uh, it's a different word, uh, but similar. It's to say, don't look out for yourself, but look out for others. Invite those who can't help themselves. And can we be just honest for a moment? I mean, gosh, we love to throw dinners at our house and have folks over. I'm not usually looking through my guest list and saying, okay, did I invite the poor Did I invite the crippled, the lame, the blind? And I think Jesus stopped there, but you could have easily extended it to any kind of undesirable trait in our 21st century world. The lonely, the overbearing, the annoying, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yet Jesus is saying, invite these. Invite these that can give you nothing, for in that you are blessed. Okay, again, duly noted. Thank you, Jesus. We've got two words, be humble and be inclusive. Well, that sounds really good, but just think about your week. Think about this past week, the last month even. Think about your own social gatherings, whether it's been, you know, brunch after, after church or perhaps a dinner party or a wedding banquet or what have you. Be honest with yourself just for a moment. This is me speaking, not you, but be honest with yourself. Have you followed this? Have you been cognizant of this? Have you tried? Well, I'm being honest. I have not tried. And that's, uh, this is the guy with the collar and the fancy clothes. This is a law that we undoubtedly we should keep and we should try to keep. And yet, if we're being honest, uh, we often don't. We often don't. And, and usually we don't. So what's the good news in all of this? I mean, the, the word is clear. The parable is saying, basically, you know, be humble and, and be, uh, be inclusive, be welcoming. Well, if you let the parable preach to you in that manner, uh, it's nothing but a condemning word. Perhaps you're encouraged and say, gosh, I'm going to try. I'm going to go out there and and do better. But for most of us, we look in the mirror and we say, I am not as humble as I've been called to be. I can't make myself be humble. And I'm certainly not as welcoming as I've called to be. That reading of the parable is a dead end. So where's the good news? Where's the good news in all this? Well, let's go back to the first one. And that line where it says, give your place to this person. Um... This is, this is the gospel this morning. This is the good news, uh, that Christ has given his place to you. He's given his place to you. And he's taken the lower place so that you might know the place of honor. He's taken, as Ben DeHart says, he's, he's sitting at the kids' table so that you can sit at the main table and enjoy the company of others. Christ has gone to the lower seat so that you may not endure the shame of it, and you can sit in his place. This is what, of course, the reformers called the great exchange. And it extends into our lives. I mean, we we think so high and theologically and correctly, 
but it has to extend into our real lives. And the place you feel it most is at table. I mean, I remember in junior high, again, another experience of mine, and I'm sure you can relate to it, but we're, we're obsessed with where we sit, and we're obsessed with whom we're associated. And in junior high school and middle school, after going through the cafeteria line and getting your tray, there's that anxious feeling, looking out and saying, where am I going to sit? Who are going to be my friends? And so you can just imagine, you know, here's, here's the jock table, here's the nerd table, you know, here's sort of the, the middle of the road folks. Jesus is saying, I'm going to sit in the lowest spot so that you can have the place of notoriety and dignity and respect and honor. This is Jesus' very way of being. This is who God is. Just consider uh, the, the story of Jesus. I mean, what we just said in the creed not too long ago, that Jesus was born of a virgin uh, in less than ideal scenario, Right? Because this whole virgin thing, while you and I believe it, the people around uh, probably did not. It was a place of shame that this unwed woman um, was having a baby. Low. Jesus goes low for us. Throughout his ministry, uh, Jesus says, the Son of Man had no place to lie his head. Choosing a place of humility and lowliness for you and for me. And you think, well, how much lower could he go? He was born among livestock Uh, born uh, in a manger. He was homeless throughout his earthly ministry. How much lower can he go? And just consider Maundy Thursday for a moment where Jesus gets down on his knees, a very low place, and wipes his disciples' feet. He washes them. How much lower can you go? Again, Jesus has taken the low place so that you and I don't have to. He goes even lower still as he's betrayed and he's given over and he's mocked and he's beaten and he's ridiculed, and he's placed high on a cross. I know high visually, but low in terms of social status. He dies a criminal's death. How much lower can you go? Again, Jesus took the low place so that you and I did not have to. And there again, he goes even lower. He goes to the grave, the lowest of lows. Jesus does that for you and for me. So this morning, when we hear this parable, give your place to this person, Jesus has done that for you, and that's the good news. Looking to our second parable again, and I'll I'll close here in just a moment. Again, where's the good news in this? Okay, I should be more welcoming, more hospitable, uh, just just all around a good guy. And again, if I stop right there, that's that's a condemning word. But flip the parable on its head and realize that Jesus himself is the host. God is the host who has welcomed you in not because of your merits, as we say uh, in Holy Communion, but pardoning our offenses. And the good news is, it doesn't seem like it, but the good news is you and I are the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind. I know that that doesn't feel like good news, but the good news in that is we don't have to fake it anymore. We can just call a thing what it is and say, you know what, Lord, I'm here. I don't belong here, but I am grateful you've called me. I'm grateful you've given me a seat at your table. I'm not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table, but thou art the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. I suffer from imposter syndrome. I'm sure some of you do too, where you're in a place and you feel like you don't belong. Well, the good news of the gospel and the good news of this parable is you don't have to fake it. You don't belong. And yet God calls you. God calls you nevertheless. And I'm thankful for our tradition of doing morning prayer every other week. I love morning prayer. I love hearing the choir. It's, it's just brilliant. It's wonderful. It's magnificent. 
But I want you to keep this symbol in your mind for next week or the next time you take Holy Communion. The symbolism is clear. When you come up to the table, you come with nothing. You're empty-handed. You have nothing to repay God or to give Him, and yet uh, He gives all to you. He gives all to you in Himself, His body broken for you, His blood shed for you. And so that's this parable right here. Although we're maimed and we're lame and we're crippled and we're poor and we're lonely and we're overbearing and we're difficult and we complain, etc., 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 Jesus has said, come unto me, all ye that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. So next week or whenever the next time you come up, come empty-handed, realizing that God has given you everything. And we give thanks for that. Not out of duty or obligation, but because our hearts are overflowing. So I don't want to belittle the moral demand in this. The moral demand is, yeah, we're not doing what we're supposed to do. But trying harder and spinning our wheels won't get it done. But maybe, just maybe, perhaps when we we realize and we recognize that we have been welcomed, despite our sins, despite ourselves, despite even our best parts of ourselves, we've been invited uh, because of the cross and resurrection of Christ and because of His uh, good pleasure, as Jim Monroe mentioned last week, not weighing our merits but pardoning our offenses. So maybe, just maybe, when we hear that word, we can then go and do likewise, We've experienced and tasted the gospel, not out of obligation or duty, but maybe we can open our homes. Maybe we can open our hearts. Maybe we can take a place of humility, not as a formula to succeed, but because that's who Christ is and that's who uh, he's made us to be as well, the humble and lowly and meek. I'll close with uh, rereading what we sang coming in. This didn't strike me until this service. But from our opening hymn, we sing this very message, Tell Out My Soul, this is the the third verse. Tell out my soul, the greatness of his might, powers and dominions lay their glory by. Proud hearts and stubborn wills are put to flight, the hungry fed, the humble lifted high. Christ has lifted us up, the humble. Sometimes out of his mercy, he has to humble us. And it's a good thing, that's actually good news. He humbles us so that he can lift us high. On the cross with him and out of the empty tomb with him and promise, as the book of Revelation says, and going back to this whole theme of of a feast, the grand vision of heaven is the the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so you, you and I have a place at his table, the humble lifted high. Thanks be to God. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at Advent Birmingham.